morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle, and... Not double L. I'm a B. You're a B. The L and B teams, not the double L team. Blake, welcome to the show. There you I go. Do have an L you, in my name. Just when you thought Lawson was going to be here, there is. A, that's right. There is an L there. Yeah. So it's it's close. You know. So it's that time of year when things get pretty exciting here on the breakfast show, and it's kind of you never know who's going to turn up. No, I, I, you, or who's not going to, or who's up. not going to turn up. It's just an adventure when you come this close to Christmas. Absolutely. And everybody has different schedules, and everybody's here there. And everywhere we we were actually expecting Lawson this morning. Really? Yes. Oh, uh, until about five ten minutes ago. Yeah. Where is that guy? Huh? That's what we want to know. I, I think, think he's, he's down I, in Co Victoria, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, last time I heard, he was like driving along an ocean road. The maybe the Great Ocean Road. Is that other, a road? Other, other side of the Iron Curtain, I think. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yes, the Great Ocean Road. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, he called me and uh, he asked for me to come in, and so I've I'm, I was here. I was going to be here earlier. I'm sorry, guys, but I almost ran out of fuel. Like literally, not only did I almost run out of fuel, so we, you know, this I is should the- say to all of our, our all of our Victorian listeners, we do really love you guys. <laughs> we just like stirring you up. That's all, just because we can. Absolutely. And but this is the part of the show. I think at least what we've been doing, being grateful. I yes. am grateful for what we call Seven Eleven. Okay, because I ran out of fuel. As I rolled into a 7-Eleven. Oh, you, you did that trick. <laughs> I was like, 7-Eleven? So I got myself... Uh, did you, uh, Okay, so did your engine physically oh, yeah. die? <laughs> it turned off, yeah. <laughs> it died as you rolled in. I was in. like, whoop, right in there, yeah. So <clears throat> good placement, 7-Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> I have done that. Yeah. It I was... have done that. I've also done that once where I rolled into my driveway and the engine died as I rolled into the driveway, but I had a jerry can there. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, let's go to some positively different news. And I'm actually going to share a story this morning um, that I've been sort of hanging out to share for, well, no, I've been praying that I would be able to share it for a long time. For many of you are aware of the Haiti 18, there's the 18 missionaries, well, 17 missionaries and one bus driver who have been held hostage in Haiti for the last two months. Uh, of course, just going back over the history there, about half of Haiti is run by gangs right now. Um, total breakdown of government, anarchy reigning. And as a result of that, you know, these guys were over there. They were doing missionary work, doing humanitarian work, etc. Uh, they were in their bus on the way to the airport. They were captured by gangs who held them uh, for ransom a million dollars per head. And so, you know, they were, they were, they were locked up in a, in a house. There was a couple of them were actually released. We don't know the details, but it seems that they may have been very, very ill. Um, and so they were actually released, but the last of them, uh, just escaped. Wow. Broke out in the middle of the night, snuck out underneath the noses of the guards and escaped. And basically what they'd done was that they had uh, planned it together. They had prayed about it, uh, for a very long time. And they had planned to escape on two previous occasions, but they had seen indications that God did not want them to do so. There were certain signs that they prayed for, and those signs said, don't go tonight. They prayed this night. God said, go. 
they um, were able to yeah break out of the building, sneak out underneath the guards' noses in the middle of the night. Then they moved to a mountain, so they headed in the direction of a mountain that they'd been able to see and identify from the building that they were in, which was just covered in bush. When they got there, the whole mountain was covered in briars and blackberries. Oh. And so it actually turned out to be, I guess, a great hiding spot, except that they were ripped to shreds by it because they kind of crossed the whole mountain in the middle of the night under the moonlight um, and were eventually able to come out on the other side and find somebody with a telephone, made a phone call, and the U.S. Coast Guard came in and snuck them out. Wow. Two things come to my mind. Number one, that's cool that they had blackberries for snacks. On the way out. Maybe they didn't see it that way. (laughs) Maybe they didn't see it that way. And number two, honestly, my mind, as you're telling the story, I'm just thinking, I want to see this as a movie. So we need to tell someone, I want to see this as like a Christian movie. Um, get get some people in there because I this is like a crazy story. This is like a good. So as you're telling the story, I'm visualizing the whole thing in my head, just thinking like, whoa, how crazy would this be? That's an answer to prayer. People have been praying for this. This is a miracle, and praise the Lord. And a Christmas miracle is at that too. So they get to go home to their family. U.S. Coast Guard comes in. Go Coast Guard, actually, by the way, and they come in and have this opportunity to. Uh, really kind of rescue these people and and answer this prayer right before Christmas. That's awesome. So what, did, did this happen just like a couple of days ago, yesterday? Or? Uh, yesterday. They, yeah. um, you know, and what you've got to remember is that one of, the, one of them was a child under the age of 10. Wow. Uh, one of them was a teenager. One of them was like a month-old baby. Did they, did they all survive? Yeah, absolutely. What? All survived, all got That's out. That's the toughest and they, baby they I've were, ever heard of. They were in, uh, is it the 400 oh, wait a second. a month old baby? No, months. Okay, because I was like, that means they were born, born in Haiti. In Haiti. <laughs> I, think, I think the baby was three months old when they okay. traveled to Haiti. Okay, I was just like, what a mom. So the baby is now five months old. <laughs> five months old, okay, wow. Yeah, try wow. that. Yeah, try that. Months. I was not escaping prisons when I was five months old. No, no. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's I can't even it's escape a, my playpen. It's, it's, it's a great effort, and it's also a great miracle that they were able to actually pull this off and pull it off successfully. The whole time they were in territory that is has been held by the Mawazo gang against the uh, Haitian government. Wow. And the Haitian government has been absolutely powerless to do anything. Half of, you know, over half of Haiti is gang controlled. There is no law whatsoever. Wow, it's just armed scary. gangs. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's wild stuff. Um, so praise God, they are out and they right under the noses of the uh, 400 Mawazo gang. Out and gone and back in the United States. And one of them was a Canadian, but the rest were all from the United States. Wow, even the Canadian made it. <laughs> yes, even the Canadian made it. This is good it. news. <laughs> Fantastic wow. stuff. Okay, I understand you've got a story about uh, gingerbread men. I'm wondering whether your uh, gingerbread story can top my escape story. <laughs> I can promise you it will not. But <laughs> I have this crazy story. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about that Canadian making it out. One, one good news. <laughs> um, there is this crazy story, uh, totally, totally different perspective than what we were just talking about. Um, there is a Christmas mad mom. She is 67 years old. She lives in Virginia. Uh, her name is Virginia. Sorry. Uh, I think she's in the United States. She decided to get a little bit wild for Christmas and turn her house into an actual gingerbread house. 
No. An actual gingerbread house. An actual gingerbread house. So, you know the ones that you give to people that you want to give them a gift, but you're not sure if you actually really like them, so you make them a gingerbread house because then it's like, okay, you put time into it, but really, it's just a gingerbread house? Sorry. That's how my brain works. <laughs> this lady has, like, gone full hardcore. She's got homemade decorations, which include candy canes, giant gumdrops, peppermint swirls, huge chocolate, wafer cookies, and an oversized gingerbread man, if that's not scary enough. That actually sounds... Okay, okay. is this actually made out of food, though, or is this made out of, like, plastic or... Because pl- I'm just thinking ants. Yeah, I, I'm, as I'm going through, I don't know. It, it looks delicious. I, I don't know if that indicates whether it's real food or not. Like Have if a look at the, the whole thing. Look at this thing. Okay, the way radio works, Blake, let me just no, explain I, this to you. I, but they'll hear your reaction. They'll know <laughs> they whether or not. To see this. <laughs> look at the picture. Okay, that is pretty wild. That looks delicious. I, I think it's real, man. I think I think she went absolutely crazy and is going full gumdrop mode. She is. See, this is the thing that we forget here in Australia is that <laughs> in the Northern Hemisphere, they have this weird thing that happens at Christmas time is that it's winter. I just don't understand. There's I don't get it. It's like, whoever wants snow at wintertime? Yeah, I mean, a at Christmas time. snow up there, yeah. you got to be inside. You can't be outside doing all the outside stuff because it's freezing outside. This is miserable having Christmas in the Northern Hemisphere. Okay, producer Shell's going to come on and say something right now. Yeah, well. Sorry, what'd she say? I didn't even, I didn't even hear. No, I missed it. Anyway. Oh. Um, that's all right. I've got two two Americans against an Australian here this morning, so I feel a little bit ganged yeah. up on. Christmas is supposed to have snow. I stick my head in the freezer sometimes just to feel at home. So, but that's just my personal. <laughs> <laughs> it's got really awkward when we got a new fridge that the freezer's down on the bottom because before I be able I used to be able to put the the head in the freezer on the top, but yeah, but now I have to put my head down in the one that pulls out on the drawer. Yeah, okay, so fantastic stuff. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of thinking, you know, this is an opportunity to do and see good things. We've got weird things going on in yeah, my headset Yeah, there's some right weird now. noises oh, right now. Oh, lawnmower going on in my headset. What's that all about? I think it's the gingerbread man. Okay, all right, maybe it is. The, the gingerbread house guy is going absolutely crazy. But I, look... Okay, so this is a, it's a good thing when you see people who make an effort to make Christmas a special time of day, special time of year, because this is the birth of Christ, and we need to remember that. So often it's so easy to forget that, uh, but we need to remember that this is, you know, people are doing all kinds of big things and outlandish things and extravagant things, but every time we see something, even when it's not directly pointed at Christmas, it should remind us that this is celebrating the birth of Jesus, the coming of Jesus to this world, which is, you know, what Christmas is actually all about. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We hear the Haiti story, praise the Lord, God saves. I'm sure they'll make a movie out of this. Certainly should. Yeah. You know, even if even if it's only a uh, a shorter movie or whatever, I don't know. There's there's definitely a movie here. Absolutely. Uh, the Gingerbread House. Wow. Head in the freeze. That's different, Blake. Very imaginative. Very imaginative. Somebody else texted. It was it was definitely a lot easier when it was a high up freezer. The, <laughs> the one down on the ground is not good it's for just... the the blood flow in the brain. <laughs> okay, so millipedes. Tell me about millipedes. You like millipedes? What yeah, about they're... scorpions? You into scorpions? No. Lyle, you know that I don't like scorpions. <laughs> I got stung by a scorpion twice. Did you know that? No. Oh. African ones or Australian ones? Australian ones. 
I got hit okay, twice. Not that bad. What? It was. It was bad twice. Not. Don't. Don't do that. That's no. Like, but if you're being stung by one in Africa, you might not be here but right that, now. That. That's a class. I'm just going to rebuke all of Australia here. That, you know what? <laughs> Every time an American says that there's something bad, they're like, "Oh yeah, not bad, but you know, like, <laughs> no, it was bad and it hurt, and I still have like marks on my arm from it. So let me just say, I don't care where the scorpions are from. Um, don't sting me. I think this is a fantastic story. I love your pain. It's just no. the best ever. <laughs> Classic. Okay, but you haven't been stung by one in Africa. No, thank you. How goodness. big was the one that stung you? Do you know? Did it you was, see it? It was a little guy. Yeah, it was like a... I have pictures of it. I like have a video song. afterwards that I thought that was going to be my last video ever. I said, if this is... Because you have to understand, Americans in general are deathly afraid of anything biting them in Australia. Yes. So then I get... Not once, but twice stung on the arm, right near the armpit, because I was going for a surf, and it was in my my rashy. And I go, I put my rash on, and then it feels like someone just punches me in the arm, and then punches me again. And I rip my, my rashy off, and then I see the scorpion, and I'm like... I'm in Australia. I'm an American. I'm dead. <laughs> so I whip out my phone. I start doing like my last will and testament, like a little video, like if this is my last video, I just want everyone <laughs> to know it was a scorpion that killed me and I love you, my family. And then you film the scorpion as well. Yeah. And then I, I killed it. <laughs> I killed it bad. It was gone. And then you went for a surf. Uh, actually, I did. Yes. <laughs> because, well, I thought I was going to die. And I was just like, you know what? Why, how do I want to go out? I want to go catch some waves. So, Okay, right, so let's talk about millipedes. What about millipedes? You cool with millipedes? I love them. They're cute. Centipedes, no. Yuck. Because they're yucky. But millipedes... They're just cute. We call them roly-polies in the States. Okay, so we, they, they discovered one um, on a beach in the UK. In a block of sand spl- sandstone. This block of sandstone split open. There's a millipede on the inside. They reckon it's like billions of years old, as they always do, which is rubbish. Uh, but this particular one is two and a half metres long and half a metre wide. <laughs> this is a pretty decent millipede. Two and a half metres. Sorry, I've got to convert that to my brain. That's like six feet. That's like seven That's feet. Seven, seven a and a half feet. Seven and a half it's feet It's like long. a shack millipede. Yes. What? Yes. How half, wide half, was half, it? Half a metre wide. So That's, That's like uh, a sandworm from Dune. Millipedes wide. So what's that? A couple of feet wide. Yeah, that is that. Okay, I do not like that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. you you lured me in with a fake story about a millipede about Roly Poly. I'm thinking cute, but you didn't tell me there's some dinosaur monster eating millipede that would eat me. That so would this sting is, me this too. Is, this is the uh, this is now the largest insect that's ever been discovered, or well, the largest creature without a backbone ever discovered. Because it is 100 millimeters longer, which is what four inches longer. Got to convert everything to feet and inches this morning. Uh, so it's four inches longer than the previous largest uh, creature that was ever found uh, without a skeleton, which was a scorpion, and came from Germany. So not lar- Australia, not largest Australia. creature without a backbone. Does this include any Australian politicians, or, <laughs> or is this just just prehistoric? Uh, this is prehistoric stuff. Oh, so. Okay, my bad. Sorry. Okay, so here's the good news: they do believe that this particular uh, meter and a half long, uh, sorry, two and a half meter millipede lived off seeds and nuts. So you could have easily oh, kept one that, as a pet. Uh, that's pretty cool. I actually can kind of in my mind. That's just, a big pet. Yeah, just it's like, like crocodile size. Feeding, feeding with my hand like a big macadamia nut. Like get over here, Millie. You know, just like eating it out of my hand. I I would ride it. Can wouldn't that be cool? 
to just like ride. It's like the size of a crocodile. Yeah, and I would ride it all Two over the place. Two and a half meters is a, that's a decent sized crocodile. But I would be I would be a gentleman and I would put a saddle on it because riding a two and a half meter millipede without one that's just wrong. So I'd have to create a saddle. Anyway, that's a cool story right there. <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, we're going to talk about the president president of Guatemala. He's a Democrat. Um, Do they have Democrats in yes, Guatemala? Yes, he's, he's left wing Democrat okay. uh, in Guatemala, uh, but he just got shunned by Biden. Um, and got they're the left, same team. Yeah, we would think so. He got left off the invite list for the Democracy Summit. Okay. Yep. Wow. Um, and so, well, turns out, well, he went to America anyway and did a speech in the Willard Hotel in Washington D.C. And he did this speech for the Women's Health. Let me get this right. Health International. Women's Health, International Human Rights. Women's Health, International, International Human, Human Rights, Rights. Okay. Um, uh, Organization, whatever it is. And he stated in that, and this might be a little bit of a clue as to why, why Biden left him off the invite list and got totally shunned in. He stated that Guatemala will become the pro-life capital of the Americas in 2022. Oh, Oh, now I can see. You're not see. allowed to do that yeah, as a Democrat. As a Democrat, no. You are not allowed to do that yeah, as a Democrat. That makes sense. Um, and so he says that they're going to achieve this by the 9th of March and they are going to unveil a monument celebrating life on that particular day in Guatemala. Whoa. That's kind of, I think it's that's really, really cool. Positive, that's that's positive definitely good news. Good news. And, and what you do is, what you're starting to see is a rolling back of, you know, what, 40, 50 years of um, which what what has really been a program of eugenics mm, fully um, yeah. and you know I just say this I know this is a super sensitive topic I know that there's a lot of our listeners who have been deeply impacted by abortion and um, if this is something that you know triggers some emotions or whatever give Lifeline a call one three one 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 four I know this can be a hard subject but we need to talk about the hard subjects from time to time yeah but it is it's the eugenics of the modern era. And you're sort of starting to see a number of countries around the world are going, wait a minute, this has actually been really barbaric and this has resulted in, you know, millions and millions of deaths every year and, you know, a quarter of our children are being killed just because of basically, for the most part, us. Mm. We're not, we don't do this for the children, we do it for us. Yeah. Because how are we going to know what the future of those children would be the only reason that we do this is because of us, and when you think about that, that's just selfishness. Yep. It can't actually be defined any other way. And uh, you know, hey, everybody's got a past, everybody's got a background. We've all made a million mistakes in our past. Let's leave the past behind us and let's move forward. But at the same time, um, we need to recognize this for what it is and call it for what it is. I have some really good friends who were going to be aborted. And yet they're yes. alive and breathing now because of some of the pro-life work that individuals have done so that they could have a life. Like, I, I mean, we're really good friends. Uh, think about Matt Para. If you know his story, yeah, if you know his story, he was going to be aborted. And so I, I just think that Matt is such a, a, a great example. And he's not the only one. I have other friends who... They were they were not going to be alive because of this, but because of the work of pro life groups, um, they now have a life, and they, now they have kids as well too, and doing amazing things and having Absolutely. amazing families of their own. So uh, last year, uh, Guatemala banned Planned Parenthood uh, from the country. Um, earlier this year, they joined the G- Geneva Consensus Declaration, which is a declaration on women's health and the family. 
um, which says that there is no international right to abortion. 65 countries signed that, including the United States. Of course, Biden pulled out as soon as he came to power. Um, but it, when you've wow. got 65 countries around the world who signed that, you know, you've got a lot of people out there that, that are claiming that there is international consensus on abortion. There not, is not. Not if there's 65 countries. There is no. not. He says there is no international right. And he said that the defending, in this speech he said, the def, defending the killing of children as a human right. Okay, defending, think about this. You are defending killing children and calling that a human right. It's a human right to take life. Mm. Uh, he said that is absolutely absurd. Of course, he is a medical doctor himself. That's his background. And so it's good to see some uh, some things going in the right way as far as, you know, the value of life in our world. And hopefully we'll see more countries that head down this path of reversing decades of genocide, genocide and yeah. eugenics. And of all the good news I've heard this morning, I think that's my favorite one. And that nothing wrong against the mo- the superstar movie Haiti 18, but I, I just love the fact that we are really giving some women's rights. Uh, and, and I just want to say I'm really happy about that. So yes. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But joining us on the phone right now is David Haupt for a regular weekly update on emotional health. David, welcome to the show. Good morning, gentlemen, and good morning to your listeners. David, we're coming up to Christmas. In fact, it's Christmas in just a couple of days right now. How quickly did that arrive? But um, Christmas is not always, you know, we, we, we talk about Christmas as being a time of, you know, getting together with family, of appreciating each other, you know, having a great time together. Typically, it's a time of year we look forward to, you know, a, a, a probably larger than than is good for us meal surrounded by friends and family. Is that the case for everybody? Well, just just before we start, just let me say Merry Christmas, uh, just for in case I don't get the opportunity. Merry Christmas to all our listeners. Hope that it will be a joyous time for you. I think back to just over 20 years ago when my family and I arrived here in Australia as immigrants. We arrived in Sydney uh, late in the year. And when Christmas arrived, we come from a community where on uh, on Christmas Day, from very early in the morning, everything is a buzz. Everyone is on the beach. Everyone is in the park. And it is a joyous occasion. We landed in Sydney. And on that Christmas Day, not a single shop was open. Uh, and we went to the beach. We went to the park searching for the people. And there was none. Our closest family was thousands of kilometers away. What a major depressing day it was for us. Yeah, wow. Sad to say, sad to say that that is not just uh, a unique case for us because um, there are multiple reasons why people might be facing loneliness during uh, Christmas. It might be that they just said goodbye to a loved one who has died. Um, they might be like we at that point was living far away from relatives. Uh, sometimes people are socially, socially isolated because social anxiety disorder. They've been invited out, but because of their social anxiety disorder, they actually turned that invitation down. The moment they've turned it down, guess what? They're sorry that they did so because they really were hoping that someone would in actual fact invite them. So there's myriads of reasons which therefore escalates 
the uh, the danger of suicidality. Uh, it deepens uh, depression. Australia at this moment is gripped in an epidemic of loneliness due to COVID. Mm. I remember one Christmas, um, you know, because you know, one one Christmas that I had where you know my family were all in Africa and Shell's family were all in the United States, and we thought, yeah, that's fine. We we have our own little family here, the four of us, and we'll just have Christmas together. The kids were very very young at the time. And what happened was that come Christmas Day, all of our friends were with family, with their family. And so we were just by ourselves and we actually thought, no, this is not a problem, it'd be fine. But it was really depressing. Um, yeah. And I will never forget how, how rough that was. It was unexpected. And that was, you know, and we weren't by ourselves. And, you know, after that we, we determined that we would never have a Christmas alone again. And we did an open exactly. house um, each Christmas where it was just like anybody who wants to turn up, can turn up, no questions asked. We had a house full of people every Christmas ever since then. But um, it, it, it did, you know, one of the, what you, it highlights something here because often I've invited people and say, hey, we've got an open house, come and join us. And you get people who, you know, have some anxiety or whatever. And they're like, oh, no, 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 that's, that's okay. You know, we, 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 we're okay. And I guess my question is, you know, how hard should you push somebody in that sort of, in that circumstance, should you really just like, hey, that's all right. You, you do what you want to do for Christmas Day, but you're welcome to come if you want. Or should we, yeah. um, or should we encourage them even more? I think, Lol, that there's there's a part that we can play, and there's a part that they need to play themselves as well. Uh, first and foremost, I would like to say that sometimes taking a no for an answer, we, we should not do that. We should actually, when we get them alone, actually talk to them. If you know that they're battling with anxiety and say to them, look, it's not going to be a huge fanfare. We honestly would love you to be part of our family during this Christmas time. Come and spend. We know that you're alone and uh, it is a time in which your presence will enrich our lives. Uh, so how about reconsidering it? And I'm going to give you a call in, in a day or two's time and we revisit this question. In other words, be a little bit more persistent and uh, especially if you know that that person is battling with anxiety and depression and so forth. But there's a part that they can play as well. The first, and, and I would like to mention three key things that people can do to make their Christmas time uh, not so lonely. The first is where they actually need to address their own mental health state. In other words, this is a time where I need to take charge, make a decision whether I want to stay in my loneliness or whether I actually want to push the envelope a little bit this year and make a difference for myself for the rest of my life. Because what people will find is that when they do take that step, they actually will come back feeling, wow, that wasn't so bad. I actually enjoyed it. Um, it, it is a time in which people, even if they choose to be alone, should take the time to actually do a gratitude reflection and even write it down. Look for three things that they're grateful for that are in their life. In other words, it is a moment in which they can despair in the loneliness or actually can look at the blessings that they've actually received in life. Yeah, and so I think that's in terms of mm. sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Are you go? I, I was going to say I think that you know for some people you know some alone time can be healthy at times, and you know at Christmas time it's, it's it's pretty rough. But if you do find yourself in that situation, 
then remind yourself that alone time is not always bad. Alone time is, yeah. is you know, some, some me time is, uh, is, is um, a time to, as you say, write a, a, a gratitude reflection or do something like that. No, it is vital to actually make a decision that I, I'm not just going to sit there and uh, have a pity pat on myself, but actually do active things. And this leads me to, to the second point, uh, tips on how to really deal with loneliness on Christmas. Um, my wife and I have made a decision that we will, in actual fact, this year not spend Christmas Day with family. We're actually having a church service. Secondly, we've invited everyone in our community, in our church, that are lonely to have lunch at church with us. And we're going to spend the day with them. We actually have made a decision on Boxing Day to spend time with the family and not Christmas Day. So it is an intentional decision that we make. And I, I think back years back when I was working in Cabramatta uh, with the people with the pathology there, that we actually each Christmas had a barbecue for the homeless people and uh, would play games with them. And uh, sometimes people would look at us, you know, as if we, you know, were from us. But in reality, we made a difference in people's lives. But in doing that, we receive more blessing than what I think we have imparted to people. Yes, I can absolutely testify to that myself. You know, living in a state where we had no family in our state to hang out with on Christmas Day, you know, and so so many years ago now, probably 20 years ago, maybe more, when we decided to have an open house for every Christmas, it's just made the best Christmases ever. It's just they, they are, you know... They are, they are unforgettable Christmases. You have all kinds of random people turn up that you don't expect to see or, you know, have only seen on the oddest of occasions, but they are the best Christmases. Exactly. Uh, and for those of us that are battling with social anxiety disorder, once uh, just this advice, once you have said no, turned an invitation down, there is nothing wrong to actually pick up the phone and phone that person back and say, hey, I did say no, but let me check. Is that invitation still open? Because I would like to come and and spend Christmas Day with you. And uh, once they have done that, they will actually feel the weight off their shoulders and they will actually enjoy the day with with that family. Um, another way of dealing with the loneliness of, of Christmas is utilizing that time maybe to become a blessing to other people. My uh, Two of my grandkids came to visit us and uh, I'm still very busy, but my wife has in actual fact gotten those kids to, together and the three of them have been baking ginger uh, cookies, gingerbread cookies, and decorated it. And they put it in little plastic bags and they've gone out to the neighbors and gave it to them as a, a Christmas gift. Ah, oh, wonderful. Uh, so teaching our children already uh, to reach out to lonely people in the community. Yeah, this is this is this is fantastic stuff. Now, you mentioned earlier that um, if you are by yourself at Christmas time to sit down and have you know do do some gratitude reflection. What are some other things that a person who is by themselves at Christmas time or on Christmas Day uh, can can do that can be really good things? Being alone is a choice sometimes, <clears throat> not always, but sometimes. And if it is by choice that uh, go for a run, 
pick up the phone, connect with others, write Christmas cards or drop it off to your neighbors. Go and talk to the neighbors over the fence, not just a high wave, but really uh, one-on-one talk asking them how they are doing. Uh, I would even suggest host an orphan Christmas. In other words, look around you at people that are lonely and invite them to have a Christmas lunch with you. Mm. So, um, in other words, looking, the, the, the key thing, Lyle, is that people, the moment that we look inward just to ourselves, all that we're going to see is loneliness. Uh, here's the tip that I want to leave with everyone. That is look away from yourself to other people and you will find even in the midst of loneliness that you can actually become a blessing. Now, I would also suggest... So, so it's almost, know, if, I could, if I could just jump in for a second, it's almost like saying um, don't solve your own loneliness. Don't even worry about your own loneliness. Worry about other people's loneliness and your loneliness is automatically solved. It is automatically immediately solved. Our, our biggest challenge with mental health during this time is that we become eye-focused and eye-centered. If we become other-centered and other-focused, our loneliness is gone. If you have no other situation or, or you know, you are going to be alone, my suggestion is that, and this is our third point, that you actually plan ahead. Uh, plan for next year, but you've already, you, you still have a few days. Maybe start a new project, learn a new language, um, do things that you've always wanted to do. Start writing that novel on that day. Get out into nature with your camera or even the camera on your phone and try to capture photos as no one else has. And you'll find that and your loneliness actually will be something of the past will turn into a blessing. Mm. Now, these are great tips, and uh, of course, um, sometimes we get um, bad weather for Christmas. What if we're stuck indoors? What are some good things to do indoors on a Christmas day? You can, if, if you're indoors, you can still pick up the phone, connect with other people. You can actually start a art piece. You can start to do become creative. You can do cooking. You can invite people in um, indoors. In other words, you don't need to make it lonely time. You can, in actual fact, make it creative time. Mm. This is maybe the time where you can actually write emails to, to family, friends that you haven't spoken to for quite some time and in that way connect with people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things, just going back to one of the things you highlighted earlier about, you know, having a chat across the fence with your neighbours, <clears throat> you know, here in Australia we tend to be, um, we, we don't, we're not in our neighbours' uh, backyard all the time like they are in 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 so many other cultures and it's a little bit sad you know i travel around the world and you know in the evenings the street is full of people everybody's socializing together everybody is chatting and you know is is just friends the whole community is sort of out there doing things and in in here in australia of course in the evenings everybody's inside their home doing their own thing which is a little bit sad but at christmas time it is a time when you are expected to just share goodwill uh, around the community, that nobody's going to be freaked out if you, you know, pop your head over the fence and say hello and start a conversation. Even, you know, creating your own 
Christmas card and just knocking on your neighbors' doors, handing them that with a little bag of, of cookies that you yourself have baked uh, is a great way to start a conversation. And uh, you don't need to be invited in. You can stand there on the doorstep and have a chat and um, you will be friends forever. There, there's a connection that can be made. And um, I remember we were once, uh, we moved up to Dubbo alone over Christmas. Our kids, the last kid, have left the home. We have just moved in just uh, before Christmas. And my wife started baking bread. And we would wrap that bread uh, and take it to the neighbors and just introduce ourselves. And that was our Christmas day, connecting with people. Mm, fantastic David Haupt thank you so much for joining us and talking about uh, great strategies for dealing with Christmas if you happen to be by yourself and quite a number of our listeners will probably be by themselves so get out there and make the most of your Christmas day thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM